Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Did you guys uh, see the, um, there was this black woman protecting a Klansman at a clan? It was supposed to be a Klan rally, but there weren't a lot of Klansmen there. They were oh, like, really? They were like, um, they were outside, outnumbered by um, people who were protesting, and there was a black woman uh, protecting him. He was on the floor, and she was like keeping him. I from- did see that picture. <laughs> I, that's amazing. Yeah. That's gr- what a perfect country. Yeah, like that's great that we live in a time where the protesters outclan the clan. Yeah, you know, that's am- <laughs> where they just start beating the shit out of the clan. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, all right, that's Marcus Parks. I'm Ben Kissel. Uh, we are joined by Jordan Temple today. Hello. Very exciting, Marcus. What? I was talking to my friend Dave. Okay, yeah. he works at a job. It's an office job, a desk job. And uh, he knows this lady that he works with. Let's call her Pamela. Why okay. not? And uh, she's got three kids. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why she kept on having them, because they all got Down syndrome. <laughs> right? Oh. So she was talking to Dave about this. And I, was, I asked Marcus before the show if there was a, an association for people who were pushing for the first Down syndrome president. Turns out there's not. But this woman, who is also, she's actually a blogger as well, so perhaps she has some pieces on it. Um, she swears that her middle son... Uh, is uh, extremely bright, extremely intelligent, obviously lovable, got a nice cherub face, and a sweet personality. She swears he's going to be president. And uh, I just want to throw it out there, Jordan Temple, will we see and should we see the first Down Syndrome president? I think we'll see all kinds of presidents. I think I think the first, uh, to, what race is she? She's a white gal. <laughs> yeah. Mm, no. 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 No white Down syndrome. No. President. No white Down syndrome presidents. Well, because- for the longest time, people thought the first uh, black president would have to be Republican. That's why they went with Colin Powell because mm-hmm. they figured that Republicans could get over their racism because you know of his staunch uh, conservative values. Right. So, what race do you think uh, with this Down syndrome child have to be in order to win the most coveted prize in American politics? It would have to be a mixed race autistic child. A mixed race <laughs> autistic child. Yes, certainly, because we already. And what have- what races do you think need to be mixed uh, to make this autistic child the most perfect president in American history? Mexican and Australian. A Mexican Australian <laughs> autistic president. Yeah, that's perfect. I think I think because it takes from you know good side like both sides like mm-hmm. Australians you know for years they you know uh, beat on the the native people that's right of, very racist group of, of folks very the Australians racist groups yeah. of people and like or they ma- were of course all of our Australian listeners wonderful folks big hearts and they love everybody yes yeah, certainly but I mean. And then on the other side, the Mexican people, mm-hmm. of course, you know how they've been treated in this country. We took over their land. That's right. Them. Not me. I'm no. We're good. Yeah. But I, I think those two sides, and just like being interracial, period, gives you like a well of knowledge and experience that someone from one race would never experience. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's why Barack Obama has been able to. You know, kind of uh, galvanize his his audience and his mm-hmm. his following, and because he has a well of experiences, his mother being who she was. That's right. You know, being having like a doctorate, um, mm-hmm. going traveling all the world, 
and bringing him around. She think- loved that Barack Obama senior. Mm-hmm. She got plucked real good. <laughs> nice gal, so nice gal good. from Kansas. And then what? It's amazing. And then what was his stepsister? Stepsister. His stepsister. Was- Does he? Ha- yeah, he has a stepsister. And as a matter of fact, there was that story that came out with uh, with his uncle. Uh, that of course Obama said that he previously did not know his uncle has some communist ties and things like that. And uh, but he did know him. But you know, everyone was uh, very upset because Obama said that he didn't know him while he was running. Um, because of course everyone was calling him a socialist and things like that. Right. And now it comes out that he hung out with the guy for three weeks while he was waiting for his apartment uh, to get made up in when he was going to Harvard. But who doesn't have a crazy uncle? Yeah, you know, that's right. fine. And you got to need a place to stay sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah. my father's the crazy uncle. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. look how well you turned out. You Wonderfully. Know? That's great. Exactly. You're nailing it. Yeah. It's, you know. it's really interesting, though, you know, how interesting people's families are. Like, once you get to really know your family and understand who you are as a person, yeah. like, it informs maybe not, like, in a lot of put, not a lot of ways, like, your, your thoughts, like, um, where your future is going. Like, it's not predetermined, but that's it right. still has an effect on you. Like, my, I, my grandfather, for yeah. example... Like, my father didn't know his father, but I know my father. Uh, my father's from Haiti, mm-hmm. Port-au-Prince uh, specifically. And uh, my my father, while he Port-a-Prince, was... Port-au-Prince, they had, a, they had a hurricane over there. Uh, earthquake. Earthquake, earthquake yeah. yeah. But um, my father came here when he was eight and nine. He never knew his his uh, biological father. And my grandmother, his his mother... Was um was a wait was like a maid in a lot of the the homes of like political people in okay. Haiti, and my mom when she was pregnant with me was watching a PBS special on Haiti when um the uh, senior president or the um of Haiti. baby doc was re- leading in Haiti, mm-hmm. and uh, my grandfather was on TV in prison, and my father said, "That's my father." My grandfather led the Tonton Maku. Really? In Haiti during um, both Baby Doc, uh, during uh, both Papa Doc Duvalier's reign and Baby Doc Duvalier's reign. His name is Luke Desir. Every name that you just <laughs> said is three potential names I'm going to name my firstborn. Those are amazing. <laughs> Those are amazing. What is, go into this. What is this coup? Uh, um, the Tantama coup was. The, that's a great name as well. It means uh, the boogeyman. It does? Yeah. The Boogeyman tra- Coup? The, no, Boogeyman. <laughs> boogeyman. The it, it, Boogeyman this, the Coup. Entire man, uh, the entire Tantama Coup just means the Boogeyman. Oh, my God. I love it. They were like the The poli- Boogeymen are coming, but that's true in this bad. situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They really were coming. But like... Um, and they were violent. They were violent. They were basically the, the enforcers, like the militant police for the presidents, the corrupt presidents in Haiti during so the So they were 60s. working for the government. They they worked for the government, but they weren't like they were like the street team, uh-huh. so to speak. So they're like they're sort of like Assad's crew uh, over there in Syria. He's got those meatheads that are all jacked up yeah. on steroids, and they're just uh, massive. And uh, they pretty much do all the all the heavy lifting. The heavy lift, yeah. yeah, mostly corpses. Most, yeah, lift? mostly corpses, killing a lot of people. My grandfather killed a lot of people, and he used the Bible. Well, this is great. See now, this is what I'm talking about, Jordan. <laughs> White man, black man, but we come together. My grandfather killed a bunch of people too. Yeah, this is great. America, that's the best, right? No, I found a little bit on this Luke Desir guy. That uh, yeah, he was the man who directed torture sessions with a Bible in one hand, in his hand. Really? Yeah. Yeah, He was uh, sentenced to uh, life, uh, uh, life at hard labor. And this is your 1986. Was my uh, paternal grandfather. This is your grandfather. My last name is Torchon, and my my full name is Jordan Temple Torchon. And um, actually, when I speak to some Haitian people, like I've one time I did a survey, like a street survey. I, I had this job. I was leading a street survey and I was talk- I ran into some Haitian engineers okay. um, over here uh, for like a conference or whatever. And I told them what my Haitian last name was, Torchon. And I just thought it translated to like dirty rag or dish right. rag or something. Why did those people but just they, look at me and immediately bow down? Yeah, like, like going to kill them. They said to me, the first thing they said, and this happened more than once, they said, Tonton Maku? Seriously. They're just like Amazing. immediately associated with that. And I was like, why is this, asso- why is the name Toshon 
immediately associated with the Tantan Maku. And right. furthermore, my grandfather, who I barely know, people already know more about me than I know about myself. Right. Like, and nuts. I've never met him. I'm sure he's dead because he was pretty old when he went into prison. He was like in his 60s. Okay, so they kind of got him a little bit later in life after a government, uh, the government yeah. changed? Once the government changed. Once, um, What was the president that was like, okay, all those dudes that murdered all those folks for those other presidents, you got to go to prison? It, it might have been Aristide. I okay. might be wow. mistaken. Tonton Maku is uh, means Uncle Gunny Sack. Oh, really? The yeah. That, well, that is the boogeyman. Like it oh. is like boogeyman, but Uncle Gunny Sack was the specific boogeyman. Huh. It says it's the mythological mythological Tonton Maku boogeyman, which huh. translates to Uncle Gunny Sack, who kidnaps and punishes unruly children by snaring them in a gunny sack and carrying them off to be consumed at breakfast. That is awesome. That is the boogeyman, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, that, that is, is the, boogie. the boogeyman. Yeah, definitely. Uncle Gunny said. No, he sounds like some the only person that managed to kill Bugs Money. <laughs> yeah. Like Elmer the Fudd. Guy, yeah. he, he was just like, get out of here, Elmer Fudd. You're not doing it right. And then he was and then they ran into each other the next morning and he had like a piece of like rabbit meat in his tooth. And he's like, see? This is how it's done. Mm, is that what we've been, we've been eating? Yes. Yeah. Mm. We've been missing out. You've been just trying to kill him because he's he's annoying. I was trying to kill him to eat him. <laughs> that is the major difference, I suppose. So, how does that make you feel? Because you know, as a uh, as a first generation American, my opa was a uh, you know obviously was a very successful uh, person in the German army during uh, World War II. He was a Nazi by definition, a Nazi. <laughs> that uh, wow. we try to skirt around. He's also Jewish. We'll get into yeah. that later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, but then, of course, he started the first labor union in Germany, FIAT, Fiat, and like he was very successful and they made a lot of money. And when he died, there was a bunch of documents that were very, uh, you know, um, they were all like, you know, stamped with the government's steel and all this kind of stuff. Um, but it's bizarre to be just like, you know, just a f- one person away from somebody who just committed, for all intents and purposes, mass genocide. Yeah. I mean, but you're also sort of like proud of your f- grandfather, right? Because mm-hmm. at least he did some stuff. <laughs> I don't. It's it's bizarre because I don't know enough about I don't know really that much about my Haitian heritage. Like I like I remember going to my uh grandfather's house, you know, with my grandmother's house with my uh dad and not being able to communicate with her because she didn't speak any English. Did your father teach and you what did they speak I didn't, in I didn't, Haiti? Creole. They speak, did I didn't, your father I don't know teach any Creole. And my dad didn't teach me any uh German. And yeah. I want, I wonder if that's the reason. They weren't very. They weren't very proud of their own fathers or their own uh, heritage, perhaps. Yeah. Well, he came here very early. He was like one of the first Haitians. That no Haitians existed in America in the seventies. Practice. Your father was the first Haitian in America. Not the first. I like it. No, we're saying it. That wasn't a question mark at the end of that. No, he that was, was a like, period. He was like one of the few. I mean, yes. he he moved here to Laurelton, and now there's eleven. Laurelton. So yeah. you know, it's really coming up. <laughs> I like. I like how. Uh, and I don't know why, but and I mean, I, I guess it's a Miami thing. There are a lot of Haitians in Miami, but yes. there are a lot of times I hear Rick Ross songs, mm-hmm. and he talks about having Haitian goons. Like that's like, like your that's grandfather the new thing. Yeah. yeah, like he's gonna he's gonna uh, employ the Tantan Maku. Like right, right. Like he has no idea what an actual <laughs> no, Haitian definitely goon not. is. Like right. a like an actual Haitian goon. Like someone that doesn't practice voodoo per se. Like that's what they call their gun. Like, right. you know, yeah. like, or the AK or whatever. So it's how a, many people died in this entire revolution, this entire... Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people died during the Baby Doc and Papa Doc Duvalier's reign, and then yeah. Aristide took over in the 90s, and that's when, like, America was, like, messing them over and, like, coming back and forth and acting like they cared. Right, right, right. We act like we care a lot. Yeah. Very, very few times do we. However, we did care quite a bit this week, speaking of revolutionaries and uh, and people who... Um, this is interesting. Obviously, Nelson Mandela, he died right. on, I believe it was it was Friday, right? He died Friday, yesterday. yeah. Thursday or Friday. Thursday or Friday. And uh, people were singing his praises, and obviously, you know, you gotta... L- the legacy of Nel- Nelson Mandela, I do think, is overwhelmingly positive, mm-hmm. ending apartheid and things like that. And um, But you were, we were talking before the show, Jordan, you sort of have a conflicting uh, opinion of the guy, because he did sort of do some things that were relatively questionable. Right. Well, like uh, people, people were upset uh, about his uh, affiliation with Castro, right? And um, he was essentially a radical. Like he was one of the many radicals in South Africa during that time um, of apartheid, and mm-hmm. um, 
I think I think people when they think of his life or anyone's life in general, you want to remember the best parts. Yeah, you know, but I don't. I don't think that's um, when when I die. I'm just excited for the funeral. It's going to be quick, and everyone's just going to say, "Well, he loved beef. He loved beef. <laughs> yeah. Let's leave out all the negative stuff. We're just going to say the one thing that he loved: yeah. beef." Let's, let's 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 forget that you know. Um, let's forget that he wasn't exactly nonviolent. You right. Know what I mean, like no, he, he was no Gandhi. He, he, he was, was no Martin Luther, so, he was no Martin Luther King. You know, honestly, I don't know too much about the more violent side of right. Nelson Mandela. What was something that he did that was just like, oh shit, man, this dude's a serious, straight up militant. I don't know. His face is hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, he was in prison I, for thirty-five years. I can't 25, imagine yeah. or twenty-five years. I can't imagine someone coming out of prison or even spending their time in prison and and not being bitter. You or, have to and, be and, extremely bitter, and 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 not thinking um, about some kind of uh, uh, revolution in a violent way like you might be like martin luther king went to jail plenty of times and now the whole time i I would think he was in jail he wasn't just thinking oh to love thy neighbor like towards the end of martin luther king's um like uh life he was getting more political more Mm -hmm. you know anti-american kind of you know protesting against the war in vietnam i can imagine like Nelson Mandela's life paralleled in a lot of ways, just kind of uh, thinking about South Africa. And, of course, you could almost argue that the South African system was slightly more just because the CIA, you know, they just put a brain in MLK's head, or a bullet in uh, MLK's brain. But uh, but at least they just kind of sent Mandela to to prison for a little while. Well, apparently Mandela was the head of uh, Umkonto We Sizwe. The MK, the terrorist wing of the ANC, the South African Communist Party. At his trial, he had pleaded guilty to 156 acts of public violence, including mobilizing terrorist bombing campaigns, which planted bombs in public places, including the the Johannesburg Railway Station. Many Hmm. innocent people, including women and children, were killed by Nelson Mandela's MK terrorists. And this was something my my girlfriend were talking about this morning. She's... uh, She's got a uh, degree in international politics, right? Uh, and so she knows, you know, quite a bit about this stuff. And she was telling me about th- this this morning: is that some of his uh, campaigns uh, and some of the people that he backed mm-hmm. killed both Afrikaners and uh, you know black South Africans. Right. Uh, he was fairly indiscriminate with some of the uh, tactics that he used. Way well, it's back tough in the day. with the with the bomb. With a bomb, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult it's not a to like pick and choose type, yeah. type of thing, yeah. Uh, he was yeah, and she's also hmm. she was also telling me that his death uh, might in fact destabilize um, South Africa even further because uh, from what she tells me is that there's somewhat of a reverse apartheid a reverse apartheid going on in South Africa right now where the people who were once on top are now being put on the bottom. It okay. essentially switched. Uh, it switched from you know white on top to black on bottom to black on top and white being on bottom. Is this and a porno? <laughs> Are we talking about a smut film here? What's going on? Yeah. And a lot of this, so, a lot yeah. of the same, um, I guess, policies that were used against, uh, I guess, like the. Uh, Black South Africans sure. are now being used against the white South, South Africans in the exact same way. So there's no reconciliation. It's right. just revenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just mm-hmm. further destabilizing South Africa and turning in, it into a fairly shitty place. And, so and if what, any of the, huh. the listeners out there want to refute this, uh, send us an email oh, please. at cavecomedyradio at, at gmail.com. Let us know if there's something that we're getting wrong or if, the, if you dec- disagree with us. Please. Well, the whole point email. of radio is dialogue, and as soon as we are uh, capable of taking in phone calls, we'll uh, have an extensive one with the American people and the people around the world. The people around the world, but yeah. until that happens, we're forced to deal with snail email. <laughs> that is interesting to me, that, that would, there's an institution for reverse racism and not just someone saying, this is reverse racism. It, because racism, black people can't be racist. Like mm-hmm. racism is well, essentially the- an institutionalized mechanism to keep uh, people of a certain color or religion down, and those powers that be, typically white people in this mm-hmm. country, up. You know, well, racism. Racism isn't like, oh, these crackers, these honkies. I hate yeah. them. You that's know, like bigotry, saying, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's like saying saying something that's racism, racist. 
sounding isn't racism. Racism mm-hmm. is is an institutionalized thing. It's a it's a entity that exists to bring people uh, to to keep people essentially up and kind of uh, pe- keep people in their place. And, and it's reverse, a class thing as well. Yeah, and it's a class thing as yeah. well. But I mean, reverse racism in an institutional way, mm-hmm. if that's true, that's what's happening in South Africa is is racism. Yeah, you know right. I mean? Yeah, it's exactly. Reverse, and also reverse well, racism. There is that new you know? uh, double NC, uh, double. Uh, Double ACP though that's just sprung up the uh, National Association for the Advan- Advancements of Crackered People, uh, which is kind of exciting. <laughs> is that Cracker true? People. No, no, that's what we call a bad joke. <laughs> yeah, right here on well, Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. And another, it's Cracker another people. thing in, Cracker uh, people. in South Africa, <laughs> like that's an institutionalized thing, is that uh, the way it's uh, I guess the uh, I guess hierarchy is going right now. It's like it goes uh, black on top. White uh, in the middle and mixed race on the bottom, mm. like in in uh, right. South. It's also Africa. my favorite kind of ice cream. Mixed race, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, and uh, the term for mixed race people in uh, in South Africa is colored. Uh, is that that's right. their okay. actual? Yeah, that's their way of uh, so like you're saying classifying the ten- these people. So basically, the tensions haven't really um, the tensions are haven't gone away. They've just been sort of under the radar and sort of swept underneath the rug. And now that Mandela's dead, uh, there's a there's a power vacuum mm-hmm. and a, a philosophical vacuum and a political. It's, uh, it's more of a philosophical vacuum. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's more. So of someone a, else is uh, going to start controlling the narrative now. Yeah, and depending on who it is, uh, it could go one of two ways. Yeah. and they uh, they're probably both pretty bad. Yeah, That's, I mean, South uh, Africa is not, I mean, it is by no means, you know, people say, yeah, apartheid's over, so, yeah, I mean, it's, right. essentially, it's nope. starting to become like an, a, rever- a reverse apartheid right. at this huh. point. I would say in the grand scheme of things, though, at the very least, you have to respect, uh, you know, Mandela for being a very powerful political figure and for being somebody who is proactive in getting something done with his life. Uh, there, was a, uh, there was a sheriff here in South Carolina, Marcus, if you want to pull up that oh, story. Oh, yeah, I got that story. Uh, there's, there's a guy here, of course, uh, President Obama asked everyone to lower their flag to half staff or... Uh, for Nelson Mandela, and a lot of people were quite upset, especially this fellow. Less than 48 hours after Nelson Mandela's death, a South Carolina sheriff is drawing national attention for refusing to lower his office's American flag to half-staff. It's just so easy to do. Pickens County Sheriff Rick Clark says even though President Obama has ordered all flags flown at half-staff in honor of the former South African leader until Monday... His department isn't participating. Why? In the statement he posted on Facebook, Clark said Mandela was I not hate. an American. Yeah, I hate that so much, too. In the statement posted on Facebook. The future is pathetic. Yeah. It's awful. I can't. The I social media it. just makes people shitty to, like, Everybody. who they are. I mean, it's who they are, though. Like, it is. Well, that is true. It is a revelation of their soul yeah. when people are just total scumbags uh, on social media. I almost take that as more of a uh, tell on who they are as people than when I meet them face to face. Yeah, because like in person, you know, so you you might, you know, second guess if someone should. You might give them the benefit of the doubt. That's right. And then they go on Facebook and they might not even have a post. They might like something shitty and you're like, yeah, oh, that confirms it. I can't yeah, remember, yeah, exactly. who, <laughs> I can't remember who said it, but someone once said, if you really want to know who someone is, give them a mask. And uh, what does that mean? That oh, means Facebook. That, yeah, yeah. That, like Facebook is Conceal. a mask. It's yeah, concealed. They feel, it's, yeah, right. they feel like there's this degree of separation. I mean, hell, I was watching last night. I was watching Hoarders Buried Alive. You have to do it. Hoarders is a great television <laughs> yeah. show. Great show. This is the TLC version. The Buried Alive. The version. best. Oh, by the way, the uh, the show that I wrote, uh, Best Funerals Ever, has mm-hmm. debuted. On December 2nd, it debuted, and I'll tell you, people hate it. <laughs> hate it, hate it, hate it. It's doing very well in the ratings. Yeah, but people, uh, yeah, I'm sure, I knew people were going to hate it. Everybody, all the comments, check it out. Best funerals ever on TLC. The next episode, uh, it's called Candyland. I wrote it, and uh, it's about a man. Uh, I spoke with his daughter, and I'm sorry to cut you off. We'll talk about hoarders in a second. I spoke with his daughter, and uh, she was like, I'll tell you. He was a great guy. He loved uh, he loved candy so much. He used to hide it in his trunk. He used to hide it in his glove box. He would hide it in he would hide it in uh, in plants. And I was like, okay, uh, that's really wonderful. Uh, so so how did he die? Well, uh, he died of diabetes, and he was like fifty six years old. And I was like, so you want a candy themed funeral? 
You know, this is a good idea. Uh, Either way, that comes out uh, very, very soon. I think next Monday or something. All right. Well, let me know. I want to DVR that. Yeah, check it out. I I think they're dipping. One of the suggestions that I gave was dip the casket in chocolate. And I think they did it. Ooh. I think that's the one. <laughs> oh, my God. I, it's true. This is, by, by the caramel? way, caramel? I don't know what <laughs> it is. Oh, yeah, it's full, it's full of caramel in the middle. They're, they're doing sort of a caramello type casket. His body was. His body's know, not in it, right? His, no, but I'm saying if his body was in it, he'd be like filled with cherry. He's like, the new cherry. Guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's filled with cherry. He's filled with cherry. <laughs> his you blood know. isn't blood anymore. It's just, just like him with Dr. Pepper. Why is his face so flush? He's got cherry inside. Him. Yeah, yeah. He actually has less candy in him now than when he died, yeah. uh, which is kind of bizarre. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, either way, so back to Hoarders. You're watching Buried Alive. I'm watching Buried Alive, and there's this guy on there that was the sweetest guy in the yeah. world. Very sweet. He had social anxiety, and he mm-hmm. said that he spent up to 15 hours a day online. And mm. I could only imagine what a fucking monster this guy was on the internet. How That's much of a thing. goblin he had to be to everyone that he came into contact with. That's the thing. I wish this sheriff, you know, you can't post it on Facebook when you're going to say something exceptionally inflammatory and insensitive. Mm-hmm. You have to say it. In a press conference and two other human beings' faces. So you can see their reaction, realize you're a douchebag, and then change your stance. Change your opinion. Yeah. He should he should have had to go to every he should have had to go to a black church and announce this. <laughs> and if he walks out of there with the same opinion after he announces that he's not lowering this uh, the flag to half staff, okay. Right. Then you're then you don't have to. But you can't just announce, blast it on Facebook. He says, this struck me, in my opinion, that having the flag at half-staff is for Americans who sacrifice for their country and who serve for their country. That's just a simple opinion, and that's what I thought. While a president ordering flags be lowered for non-U.S. citizens is rare, it has been done in the past. George W. Bush ordered flags to be lowered for Pope John Paul II. Uh, and former, I don't think that he was an American. Former Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin and former Egyptian President Anwar Sadat in the 80s and 90s following their assassination. So but this man, just, had, he, just, he just plays by his own rules. This guy plays by his own rules. But I think it's funny that the uh, all of the presidents, because in the, in the 80s uh, with uh, Yitzhak Rabin, that would have been Ronald Reagan. The 90s, uh, that was either Clinton or Bush Which, the first. What year was it? Uh, it just says in the 80s for Yitzhak Rabin. Uh, but that would have been uh, either Ronald Reagan or George Bush the first. Well, so yeah. it would be all Republicans before who right. ordered the uh, flag at half for non Americans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if social media existed, though, I think someone would have totally had some kind of protest. You know what I mean? Saying like yeah. they, you know, they, you know, someone probably protested. You know, and didn't put it at half staff, but it just wasn't on social media because exactly. Didn't exist. And it you totally know, honestly, this happened. guy probably could have just not done it. He probably could have just kept it up, but he his ego took over, and he's like, mm, "I'm gonna let the world know on Facebook. Yeah. Everyone's gonna yeah. love this." Of course, he had no so one, many likes. No one would have paid attention to him if he just no would have not done it. Because no one that, would have even noticed. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to bring attention to his stupid little fucking cause when he could be using his energies in. A million better ways. This is just not a fight. This is not the this fight to not, pick with Obama. There's so many other fights to pick with Obama. <laughs> he this could, is not yeah, the one. So many more fights. He could have put his his like he could have had his own protest, putting his his own flag at half staff for all the people that uh, Obama's drones have killed in Wazikistan. Not Americans, that, though. Not, so, yeah, but they're not, except for there yeah. are actually a couple of Americans, Americans on that drone list. Are, so I suppose not, he could do yeah, it for them because people have died over that. Yes, you know what I mean, and and people. <laughs> Especially with this new Amazon drone thing, we'll people, talk. Yeah, we like had people. Oh my god, what do you think about the Amazon drones? I am. Uh, some people think it's uh, are calling it a uh, publicity stunt and, and, a, and a whole ruse, but this is real stuff. It's going to happen yeah. in 2020. That's what the CEO of Amazon has said. And uh-huh. Marcus, you can read the story, or we can just discuss it. But l- l- let's get the story. Americans aren't so sure they like the idea of allowing Amazon to deploy a fleet of miniature delivery drones, according to a new HuffPost YouGov poll. Most of them also believe the plan could become a reality within the next decade. Amazon founder and CEO Jeff Bezos told 60 Minutes last week that his company hopes to roll out deliveries directly to customers' doorsteps via miniature drones, which the company calls octocoppers, within the next four to five years. The poll found Americans are largely undecided about whether an Amazon drone delivery program is a good idea or a bad one, with 23% saying it's a good idea, 36% saying it's a bad idea, and another 41% saying they're not sure. Uh-huh. 
And huh. 100% saying it's a great idea in 10 years when it comes out. And they're like, I need that new video game. 30 yeah. minutes, I can have it? Absolutely. Uh, come on, yeah. man. We can download video games instantly right now. Well, can you get a sweater? <laughs> can you download a goddamn sweater or a pair of slacks? <laughs> you By the way, know. you need some new goddamn pants, Marcus. Hey, I'm wearing these pants. It's part of my costume. I got a cowman show tonight. I didn't want to carry around an extra pair of pants Jordan all night. Jordan Temple, how bad are Marcus Parks' jeans right now? I think they're offset by that dope sweater that has epaulets on it. So I think Thank he's you. doing a good job. Thank you I very mean, much. I mean, they are mom pants, but that sweater, pants. <laughs> that sweater is crushing it. That well, sweater is cru- he's it's crushing. a nice sweater, but it's just Thank you very much. He's so the, this is, okay, so epaulets okay. on that yeah. sweater. Yeah, do, do his really pants are him? early Mandela, and his shirt's later Mandela. You've been fucking yelling about Mandela this whole goddamn time. Do I really want to carry around another pair of pants all night because Ben Kissel doesn't approve? I'm just saying you got a nice ass, Marcus. Wear some pants that show it off, would you? <laughs> yeah, wear some pants that show it off that Thank also you. have epaulets. Uh, that is true. <laughs> and, Get it together. And I like the way you think, Jordan. The ladies like buttons, especially if they're like, you know, instead of the zipper, you got a button. That's just, right. Just one button. Button just, your fly. Bleh, just one big button. <laughs> One big button. That's great. Just, just like corduroy. <laughs> That's the noise I wanted to make. Yeah, exactly. One big button. But I didn't think of a normal button. I just thought like a political button that is a little. <laughs> yeah. Like a vote for Nixon. You know, something like that. I like support I... the troops. This is like, I'm gonna, I'll support this goddamn Amazon drone system if I could order one right now and get you a new pair of pants by the time this episode is over with. I love how. That would be perfect. I love how people are against uh, Amazon drones, but they're not against the drones overseas. With the bombs on them? Yeah, em? with the bombs yeah. on them. I actually went to. Um, NYU, uh, they had a conference about uh, the drones overseas, and they had like extended coverage because mm-hmm. there was like a family from Warzikistan that came to the United States, came to DC to. Uh, there was like a trial, and the um, I forgot which um, uh, who actually like was filing the lawsuit, but okay. it was like a human. It was like a human, whatever thing. Human, uh, human rights, rights watch issue. or something yeah, like yeah. that. It was ACLU like a human. Or... It was like a human rights issue, right. and um, this family came from overseas because they had a family member that died. Uh, there was a te- the, there was a man. There was a, he was a teacher, and his mom was killed by a drone. A pair and of pants came- from the Amazon drone just exactly. nailed her in the head. And then Sad. <laughs> she came. They they came and um like uh they they came and they uh you know had said their piece and then they came to NYU and there was like an entire booklet uh um, like dedicated to talking about all the dangers of the drones yes and also why you know people so can't was- communicate like people are scared to congregate because of them well, and the families a- are separated and it's like right. it's it's ridiculous well this is what's so interesting about it i do think there's a i don't think it's a conspiracy it's just a it's just a reality it's right. just a fact that uh, what these amazon drones are going to do is get americans used to the idea of flying objects in the sky yeah they, right? we, they're going to get used should, to this yeah you know, and, and that—that's what it is. It's that chilling effect. This whole notion of freedom of speech, the uh, the freedoms that we pretend to have. So, hmm. you know, despite we, that we, we live in the, you know, there's more people in prison uh, than any other Western uh, civilization in the history of fucking humanity. Mm, yeah. uh, but we pretend like we're super free. And these drones are going to get people, you know, used to drones in the sky, and then we're giving them little treats, like little gerbils, yeah. just like sucking down a fucking bunch of bunch of uh, you know. Taco Bell hot sauce packets. Yeah, that doesn't you know, surprise me at all. They're going to love it. I was talking. I was here at the creek the other day, and uh, when this announcement came out, I was uh, talking to our buddy Rojo about this. Yeah, and uh, someone that was at the bar, they said without any irony and without and not joking about it at all, they go, "What are drones?" Oh, they're going to find out what drones are, are, and that's so sad. Fucking kidding me? It's 2013, and you don't know what drones are? We've had five years of the most drone usage in the history of the world, and uh, it's it's amazing that the ignorance of somebody not knowing what a drone is. I didn't even know where to start. I don't know where to start. Like, like she's like, what are drones? And and I I didn't know where to start. I was like, well, it's how we fight wars now? It would be like trying to explain the internet to Charles Manson. (laughs) You know, because Manson's been in prison for so long. He knows what the, he knows the internet exists, but he doesn't know the internet. How do you explain the internet? Well, you, know? you just—I—I I think if if someone really wanted to know what a drone was, 
or they didn't know what it was, you could just tell them anything. Be like, you know what a drone is? It's a remedial uh, community college math teacher. <laughs> and I'll tell you, he would go on and on. Really? A drone? That's what we're talking about? That's a big issue in the United States? Yes, because it's community colleges get half the money that four-year colleges do, and it's but a real they, serious problem. Yeah. And those people, all those people they, in Yemen? Yeah, teachers are yeah, doing it. Teachers, they're sending they're, them over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, and we're giving them kids, new jobs at Amazon.com. Unbelievable. Wow. Calculus is like a really big thing nowadays. People need to know math to succeed in life. This is, I understand revolutionaries and I understand why people want to kill others because I would want to put a bullet in that man. Once a drone, I would get it. That's, that would make, you must have been mildly upset. I was. I was very upset. It's sad. I I thought about it for a couple of days. And like, the implications, because this person is not stupid. This person isn't an idiot. I know them. Like, they're definitely not a, there wasn't a, a comedian. Person. Um, no, 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 just someone that I know. Uh, and I was uh flabbergasted that that, yeah. that they didn't know what a drone was. Like, and it started to get me to think it's like, if this person doesn't know what a drone is, then how many people out there just have no fucking clue? Not just that right. they yeah. don't know how many people we're killing with drones around Constantly, the world. Daily, Constantly, daily, as killing we speak. people around the world. But yeah. they don't even know that this technology exists. They don't yeah. even know that it's something that we should watch out for. you got to you know? watch a great documentary called Dirty Wars. And it's by, uh, the, he's a vice reporter. And uh, he works for The Nation. Okay, and he investigated okay. all of these attacks in Afghanistan and Iraq, and uh, he got he just gets so into the new global war on terror. There are no rules, no rules with these drone strikes, and they are just bombing innocent civilians regularly everywhere because we're fighting an ideal, we're fi- or an idea, a philosophy. We're not fighting a group, right? So these drone strikes, the way that the CIA has been using them. It's insane. Mm-hmm. It's insane. And the fact that somebody doesn't know it is really sad because uh, they'll know it when it when it, a uh, when it, when a doorbuster comes banging down their goddamn roof and they think, oh, that's an Amazon drone. This is going to be great. I I ordered those new sunglasses. I'm super. No, that's not the sunglasses. Uh, the CIA is <laughs> just like, oh, I'm really sorry. We got that drone strike wrong. He ordered sunglasses. I thought that he was a terrorist. I read a story you know, the other day. I, I think if they maybe was in on like or was on CNN or something like that. How the terror groups are growing. Like, oh yeah, of course, because they're killing. If if my fucking kid got yep, killed by exactly. a drone, I yeah. was a nice guy before. But you yeah. know what? I don't got a reason to live anymore. That's exactly what they were saying during the conference too. People, yeah, that's people right. are rising up. People are upset. If it wasn't making people in going into the Taliban before, they will you know, now. They will now. But the thing is, there's a big confusion between people that are militant and people that are in the Taliban. They were talking mm-hmm. about because yeah. a lot of young men have guns. That doesn't mean that they're terrorists. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean that they're in the Taliban. It's also ultimately ironic just because somebody has a gun, they're a terrorist, because in America there's more guns than people. Right. You know what I'm saying? If that's the, if that's the, uh, if that's the um, you know, uh, logic behind it, you know, yeah. the CIA, well, we're, we're, we're going to get very used to drones. Cops are already starting to use them. Amazon is going to usher in the movement with, you know, they're going to pacify the people because everyone's going to be like, oh, I get my little gift. This is great. I love drones. They're so nice. They're so good. And, uh, and people are just going to allow for the idea of a missile hovering overhead at all times right. because they can get their slacks in 30 minutes or less. You like guys a goddamn are, Domino's pizza. Right. Word. Uh, you, guys oh, mind, you guys mind if I do a quick impression? Please. No. That was quick and subtle. Um, <laughs> that's uh, Obama after receiving his copy of the Essential Gandhi via Amazon drone. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great Obama. It's nice to have President Obama with us. I didn't even oh, know you were here. Oh, thank you. Oh, Ben Kissel. I saw more like fucking, <laughs> <laughs> fucking Elvis. <laughs> oh, thank you, if Ben Bryant Gumble. Oh, if Bryant Gumble fucked you. Elvis and Obama was born through that. That's what it sounds like. That's brilliant. Bryant Gumble fucking Uncle Tom. Brian Gumbel's a good guy. He shit himself in the White House. You got to respect him. That's the difference between Willie Nelson and Brian Gumbel. Willie Nelson smoked a joint on top of the White House, and Brian Gumbel shat himself. Did he really? Sh- I thought that was did. Al Roker. No, I'm sorry, Al Roker. Yes, fuck yes, it's Al Roker shit himself in the White House. Oh, oh my god. You know what? Oh man, Brian Gumbel's. I want to 
wonder Brian's no, gumbo shit probably is Brian all Gumbel's. salmon. Oh, it's all salmon. <laughs> it just swims down the toilet. He's just a, oh, that's all he eats. Yes, oh. Marcus, can you Google that Dirty Wars documentary though? Because I really want people to watch it. Because I uh, and I want you to watch it, and we'll talk about it. We'll do a whole episode on it because it's really great. Mm, directed by Rick Rowley. And, and that, oh, it's Jeremy Scahill. Yes. No, I loved it. Jeremy Scahill's fucking great. Yeah, it's amazing. Check it out, man, because there is some very controversial things going on. And if you know anybody uh, that doesn't know what a drone is, please watch this documentary with them because they'll know what a drone is and they'll know that drones are not uh, have not always been used by Amazon to uh, deliver you, uh, you know, Sweet, sweet sweatshirts and things. In slight defense of that ignorant, slightly ignorant man, though, I think it was actually nice that he said he didn't know in opposed to saying that he did. Because when, when he, he talked not, to a yeah. lot of people, you know, I actually wrote, read a book recently called I Don't Know. And I forgot what the subtitle is. But basically it's saying, you know, um, it's, it's better to say I don't know I like than, it, yeah. than to just basically, you know, a lot of people are just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, when you talk to them. And if you're not inquisitive about anything, you won't learn anything. But if you def- if mm-hmm. you, if you pretend to know something, which we do all day, constantly every day, do, constantly, yes. because our brain can't keep up with the amount of, with the pace of information in this information age to know everything, you know. I mean, I do like, a podcast. Uh, Marcus and I, of course, do last podcast on the left together, mm-hmm. which, by the way, thank you, everyone who joined the Facebook page. I know yeah. this is a different show, but uh, that was amazing. And um, uh, sometimes Henry gets talking about uh, Serpo or, you know, which I believe Serpo is our next episode. That, that and I've is, read yeah. the things that Henry said to me. And he's like, did you read? <laughs> and I was like, I read. Technically, I read it. Do I understand any of it? Not really. So please, yeah. you know. I used to do that. I, I've, I, for the longest time, I would, you know, I would. I would uh, pretend like I knew what someone was talking about. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know, mm-hmm. I know all about that. And then I, one day I said to myself, I was like, you know what? I've been bullshitting too long. I'm not finding anything out. Right. I just felt dumb all the yeah. time. Yeah. Like I found, I, wish- I found that I felt dumber when I... Uh, Pretended like I knew something exactly. than I did when I just asked. When and, I was just like, really, I don't, hell, even now I'll ask, like, if someone says a word I don't understand, I'm like, what does that mean? I constantly ask. I mean, going back to what we were talking about earlier, which led to a great conversation about your grandfather. I mean, I right. had no idea about this coup. It's like, why would you be like, mm, no, of course I know. <laughs> if you don't know something, <laughs> yes. ask about it and you'll be amazed. It'll take tops five minutes for you to learn it. Oh, uh, yeah. Everything yeah. is super simple. It's right. very easy to learn shit, you yeah. know? And then once you know it, then you got it for a little while. And the next time somebody brings it up, uh, you can uh, then you're then you're the man. Yeah, you're you know? an ex- expert. I wish I had an excerpt from that book right now. Oh, it's called I, uh, I don't know in I praise don't. of admitting ignorance. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know in praise of admitting ignorance. That's great. And you know, I think that's part of the problem with uh, with a lot of the uh, the way that the the way that the narrative goes and. You know, let me get on my conservative soapbox for one moment, if I may. Uh, this is one place where the left always really bothers me because I feel like they make a point to um, to stifle questions, right? And they make a point to like, um, you know, if you ask a question that is perceived as ignorant, then you're ignorant. But in reality, it's like, no, the dude's ignorant. He wants to know. So by definition, he's no longer ignorant. Right. He doesn't want to be ignorant. So it's like different races, different like, you know, if you ask like if a dude like goes up and. You know, let's just say, like, uh, it's sort of like there's a great story about Jackie Robinson when he, when he was walking. Uh, hmm. He was walking down the streets of New York, and this white kid went up to him, and he just started rubbing his arm. And Jackie's like, "What the fuck are you doing, man?" You know, much more polite than that. And the kid was like, "Does it come off?" You know, like about his skin. He's uh. like, "No, I'm black." Like, but he explained to this kid, and then his kid was like, "Oh." Yeah. Okay. And cool. Well, yeah. That's cool. Thank you that's for not telling racism. me that. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 you are yeah. ignorant as a kid by yeah. definition, and then you find out that oh no, that's a skin color. That's okay. No, yeah. I know. No, that. that's that's intellectual curiosity. Exactly. And yeah. I think there's a lot of that. Uh, you know, th- th- there's a lot of uh, political correctness stifles a lot of questions that need to be asked, and a lot of people just then go back and either they feel guilty or they. The worst side effect, which I think is the most common side effect, is they harbor an inner hatred that comes out as soon as they get on Facebook, as soon as they get on Twitter, and as soon as, like, you know, I mean, I don't think the Tea Party started out as a as a uh, hateful uh, organization. I think they actually, it was started by two goddamn housewives. Yeah. Mm. Um but I think, you know, really? some people, yeah, it really was. And then some, <laughs> but some people attach themselves to it for negative reasons because they found a channel for their anger as opposed to just sort of working it out on a daily basis. So you know? does, 
Oh man! So the tea party—they were just sitting around having like some lap songs. It was literally like, a tea aren't party. Niggers curious? <laughs> aren't they, aren't they curious? <laughs> aren't they curious? I saw an Oreo on the. Do you know what an Oreo is? <laughs> That's right. Have you ever seen a black man just reading a book and thought, "Whoa, how does that happen?" <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh my God! I saw a train full of black men the other day reading books, and I thought this is a conspiracy, and it turned out to be a social project. They wanted to. Do do an experiment. Are, Niggas are crazy. They are crazy. <laughs> they are crazy. That's how I the mean, tea party was started. Yeah. <laughs> Over tea, though. You Over forgot tea. That and this yeah, is yeah. great tea. This is a black way. tea. Yes, yes. It's fine and, 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 and uh, full of aroma. That's good. <laughs> That's good, but that is one nice thing about uh, about stereotypes yeah. of you know of all races and cultures. It's one great thing about uh, about New York City. It's like you get yeah. to, you just break all these stupid things. I remember thinking when I first got here, and I never re- even thought about it. There's a black dude eating sushi, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I never saw a black dude eating sushi before. It was just, uh, I, was just I, just, I mean, it had this moment. I was like, I never thought about black people eating sushi. I never. That's just a black dude eating sushi. That's all right. That's that's dope because I don't know what people. Uh, who eat sushi look like? Period. Like they, right. I, I think maybe about white people, but I think it's an acquired taste that would, you know, maybe require you to have a weird fucking mustache or sure. hair or doofy haircut. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. that dude eats sushi because look, his hair is purple and his uh shirt is pink with purple polka dots. You, you have know, a very like, punk rock, uh, punk rock vibe about sushi. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's punk kind rock of... kids love a good tuna roll. Nah, someone dressed like that eats dollar pizza. That's dollar pizza yeah. guy. Yeah. Right, 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 right. That's yeah. true. Like me, like I, you know, I wear a lot of pattern shirts. People might be curious about what I wear. I mean, what I eat, and it's always, the answer's always Vietnamese sandwiches. Isn't that something? Yes. You know what? I've never had one. Shame I on you. I have never had a Kissel. Vietnamese Shame sandwich. There's a great place right over on Vernon. You got to go. I'll have to check it out. Mm-hmm. I'll have to check Good it out. Good lunch special. Well, speaking of ignorant, uh, ignorant, we have a little bit more time, right? Just a little bit, but we got to wrap it up. Oh, okay. Well, we could do that Rick Santorum thing real quick where he equated Obamacare to apartheid. Eh, yeah. Who gives a shit about Rick Santorum? We don't have to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've already covered that. Can That's read, fine. Can, is it possible you could read an expert, uh, excerpt from I don't know since we're kind of on that? If I can Yeah, if there's one out some. there. That's not bad at all. On Amazon, I think. Where maybe. are you from, Jordan? No, 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 we know where you're from. We talked about it on Roundtable yeah. of Gentlemen. And those that don't, uh, that haven't listened to that episode yet, uh, check out the Roundtable of Gentlemen with Jordan Temple, and it's quite amazing. Now you're that's the uh, it's just here in New York City. Yep, Long Island City, not far. So from have you any? Have you traveled yet across the country? I've been to Canada twice in an interesting way. Okay, I went to Ontario. Oh man, in seventh grade I went, and the school I was in uh, was a small private middle school in East Harlem, uh, the East Harlem School at Exodus House, and it was a it's a tremendous school. It was, I was like, and there were about sixty kids, and in my small cohort of seventh graders moving up to the eighth grade, um, what we what they did was they had us. Um, go to Canada as like a coming of age, you know, kind of experience. Sure. Uh, we would go to Canada on a two week canoe trip and, um, you know, to get used to the eighth grade, you know, was like our leadership position. This so seems like went- a very dangerous class trip. A canoe trip yeah. in Canada yeah. for eighth graders? <laughs> yeah. Wow. A two, week- two weeks in Ontario. It might not be Ontario, but um, I went there twice the first time i went um i carried a cook one again well one again is basically I don't know what, yeah what's a one a one again <laughs> is a is a is a uh, wooden box with a strap on it and uh you put it on your head to kind of um to uh transfer the the weight so the weight is equal so you strap it basically on your forehead okay and i carried that uh during portages when we were on this what's canoe a portage trip. a portage is basically when you carry your canoe and supplies from one body of water overland to another body of water. Okay. And uh, we camped out. We canoed um, and make, basically made like a circular trip back to our home base. And I did that for two weeks. Um, and it was now, great. Was, this mo- was it mostly uh, black kids that you were with? Or mostly was- black and Latino kids, yeah. So, and you guys were just camping throughout the wilderness we in Canada. Camp, yeah. Did you guys, I mean, again, going back to stereotypes, that right. is not a normal <laughs> thing rare. to see, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, A bunch of Latino and black yeah. kids canoeing through Canada? Yeah, we had significant sponsors, too. Our school was actually, it was really amazing. We had, like, Friday uh, speaker series. We had, um, oh, was that black woman from The View? 
that came. Star uh, Jones. Sherry Shepard. We, we had Star Jones oh, come Star Jones. come, come and, uh, talk to us every every week. We would have someone every um, week. In, Star Jones would come talk to you. I like <laughs> Sherry Shepard better though. Saw, I'm, I'm sticking with Sherry. I, saw I wish it was Sherry. Times though, yeah. I saw Star Jones plenty of times. She, you know, she she promoted the school. She. Um, Talk to us. We had like a Friday speaker series. We would be encouraged to ask questions. So you met the fat star. Yeah, I did. Real star. <laughs> I yeah. hate when they get skinny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate it. It was great because, uh, you know, it, it inspired us to be inquisitive. I was like one of the kids who. By they, I mean was, ladies of the view, by the way. Yeah, just yeah. clarify. But that. just like, you know, you know, kids that are essentially working class, they inspired right. us to be inquisitive, to ask questions. It goes back to, you know, the, 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 the philosophy of I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. in defense of. You know, but it's like, I don't know. Um, and so I found a good excerpt from that book, by the yeah. way. All right. It was, well, yeah, no. It yeah, was yeah. a great experience. Though. It was a great experience. The second time I carried the canoe. Okay. And we had like a significant portage. It was two miles. The right. longest portage. And I, I was like, mm, and then hammering like, it out. Where, where is the king that they are carrying the canoe for? <laughs> where is the king? Yeah. I don't understand. Where's Where's Mayor Rob Ford? Yeah. Is he, is he canoeing this week? So, yeah, those are the two Was times. there any reactions that you got from uh, the individuals over there that you were like, okay, well, I guess we're doing something a little out of the norm? Uh, Well, I went to um this place uh, and got tidbits. With a, a tidbit? Uh, yeah. What's a tidbit? Or not tidbits. Um, This is like a the Canadian version of uh, Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, it's called uh, Tim Tidbit? Hortons? Tim Hortons, yeah. Tim, I like I went, Tidbits better. I went to Tim Hortons <laughs> and got Tidbits, and I was so confused. I was like, Dunkin' Donuts has munchkins. They're little, like, donuts or inside donut holes or whatever. And I was like, I was so confused. I was like, can I get a, what's a small donut, a munchkin? He was like, oh, you mean Tidbits? I was like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Cultural nah. differences, huh? Yeah, nah, Cultural differences. We'll send a drone over there. Yeah, they, <laughs> they're, they're eating Tidbits, not they, munchkins. Yeah, yeah. Not Fuck Canada. Great. Yeah, those are the two times I've been out of the country. I do actually nice, think that but... that's a great analogy for how most wars do start. <laughs> <laughs> they call their munchkins Tidbits? They're different. Kill oh, them. That's just subhuman. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for being here, Jordan. Thank you, bro. And Marcus, maybe just take us out with a great quote from uh, the name of this book the excerpt, here. Uh, I don't no, know. No, no. Uh, fakery is a vital currency in our social intercourse. What that, is it? Fakery is a vital currency in our social intercourse. That's not necessarily all bad. A lot of the time we pretend as a way of fortifying or easing connections when we feign recognition, for example, or delight in seeing someone or gladness, gladness to go out of our way. These are acts of goodwill. At best, mm. pretense can be a form of kindness. But the benign desire to spare ourselves and others embarrassment or disappointment or pain can lead to actions that engender greater falsehood, promulgate more fear. How easily we fall into the pattern of using deception as a shield against feeling uncomfortable. At worst, it can breed a habit of shrinking responsibility and avoiding vulnerability, behaviors that ultimately distance us from the very prizes we crave, true connection with others, and integrity within ourselves. That's great. And the name of the book again, Marcus? I don't know. I don't know. Who's on first? What's the subtitle? (laughs) I don't know in praise of admitting ignorance except when you shouldn't. That sounds great. By who? Uh, By Leah Hager Cohen. Check out that book. That book needs to go back to the library, too. (laughs) It's like four days overdue. Oh, yeah, you have it now? Yeah, I do. (laughs) Well, just claim ignorance when they uh, tell you that it's late. (laughs) I had no idea. Um, All right, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you. Thank you. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.